back welcome once again to another episode of mike mike and oscar i am your co-host mike one co-host also mike and the third of the triumvirate the duke of bettingham joins us once again <laughs> the godfathers of oscar bettings are at the round table for this early oscars betting episode i guess preview whatever you want to call it yeah our summer bets we've often talked about getting getting in early david mm. putting putting the money down early in the season but yes, uh, welcome back, man. Uh, is it worth it? The Film Review Podcast is also back. You guys are putting episodes out, you and Craig. Mm. So salute to you both and welcome, my friend. Gentlemen, this is an honor and this is what life is about. Making dangerously early Oscar predictions <laughs> and, may I say, recklessly, I want to emphasize that, hurling cash at an award mm -hmm. show that is eight months away. I have a problem. <laughs> I have a problem, and I admit it. Three things, gentlemen, in life are certain. Death, taxes, and the Duke of Bettingham betting daringly on the Oscars. And this year shall be no different. <laughs> <laughs> We're all headed for an early grave for various reasons, and I can't wait to meet you both there. Uh, yeah, so we've, we've done this, or a type of this episode a couple times before. This might be the earliest in the year that the three of us have gotten together for one of these, but uh, we will be going down at least the big five categories, I think, today, Mike. Is that right? I think it's six, because we six. have picture, okay. director, and then the four acting. There you go. That makes sense. I, I'm not an Oscars expert or anything. I shouldn't know these things. But those <laughs> are the categories we will be going and running down the odds for in this episode. We'll give you some insight as to what we're thinking, what we think the best bets are, what we think we should stay, you should stay away from, uh, reading the tea leaves, if you will. Just as a quick uh, preview or a primer, if you've not joined us for a betting episode before, we do them multiple times a year. Uh, every bet is going to have odds attached to it. Now, for example, we'll start with, like, let's say Oppenheimer for best picture. You can find Oppenheimer right now for what is a plus 150 odds. What does that mean, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with betting? That means anything with a plus sign is you bet a standard bet is $100. So if you bet $100, whatever the plus sign is, is your profit. If Oppenheimer is your choice, you bet $100 on Oppenheimer at plus 150. If Oppenheimer were to win best picture on Oscar Sunday, you would win $150 of profit on that bet as the uh, the odds will shift as we get closer to Oscar Sunday and some of these bets will become favorites. They'll become uh, heavy. You'll have to pay what's called a vig or you have to pay, uh, you'll have to skew or put up more money, let's say. So Oppenheimer, <laughs> let's say they become a minus 250 favorite as we get closer to Oscar Sunday because they're the favorite to win Best Picture. Well, what it means in a minus case is that you would have to put up that much money to win $100 of profit. So if Oppenheimer's minus 250, you would have to risk $250 of your own money to win $100 dollars of profit if Oppenheimer should go on to win Best Picture. Um, I don't think we have any minus or any heavy favorites, any vigged favorites yet for this episode because we are so far out and the books in Vegas and London and overseas and all that, what they're concentrating on right now is setting the lines to get as much action as they possibly can to fatten up their wallets as opposed to <laughs> David, Mike, and I who are trying to lighten ours in reverse. So that's what you're facing with this episode. I think my goal for today is not necessarily to know how I'm going to place my bets. I really want to know 
the strategy that mm. you two guys bring forth. <laughs> like, strategy. I'm very curious to know. Like, do you say, I'm going to take $50 and I'm going to sprinkle on all of these 20 to ones? Or I'm going to, because like when we do this in the fall, we're attacking 10 to ones. Mm. But there are some, there are some lines here where like an Oppenheimer or, or Christopher Nolan, if you have a conviction, is it worth putting like 50, 100 bucks on Nolan or something like that. I'm very curious as we go. You don't have to give away the whole strategy now, but, <laughs> but please, but please let us uh, and and I include myself with the fans. Uh, let us know how you guys are attacking this. I'm very Dave. Curious. Just yes or no. You don't have to give away what they are yet. But are you in on stuff already? Surprisingly, no, not yet. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. I am trying to play this a little more sensible. Um, <laughs> My str- <laughs> Boom. Well, I'm, I'm worried out. we're gonna we're out, gonna rile man. you up then. I am. Um, I have a record for being a pretty hard gambler, particularly on the Oscars. Look, last year it paid off. I was in on Brendan Fraser in August. I look back at my oh, history. Nice. August, uh, sorry, July, August, September, October, November. I backed him all the way down until he was a negative number, um, and I got really shaky at the end because everyone was talking was about tight. Austin Butler. But the thing is, you talk about strategy. I was in a point on Oscars Sunday where I could have backed Butler, and if Butler won, I'd have made a small profit, and if Fraser won, I'd have made a small profit. And I was so tempted, but I rode that horse into the moonlight <laughs> and danced with Satan himself. And I tell you, when he won, I was delighted. We'll talk strategy, but I've followed Oscars for a lot of years, betting-wise. This is an extraordinarily confusing minefield, um, and I can't wait to lose money on it. <laughs> yeah, I, I too am looking forward to that as well. And yeah, you I mean, you've kind of previewed it. It's confusing because we're mm. dealing with some serious players that might actually win that are like summer releases. And we've yeah. been trending that way in recent Oscars years as like the biggest releases have are the biggest winners on Oscars Sunday, at least in the last like four years, have been kind of earlier in the calendar. Obviously, last year was the big one. Everything everywhere all at once. A March release played South by Southwest and all that. And then it goes on to have one of the greatest Oscar Sundays in history. So uh, we'll see if we have any movies that are smelling akin to that this year but let's start with the best picture category and run down some odds quickly as we can this is going to go relatively fast as far as the odds go just again all you're listening for is the number the closer to zero the number is that means the more likely vegas or whatever the book is thinks that picture has to win its category so we'll start with best picture Oppenheimer is the leader in the clubhouse right now. You can find those odds at plus 150 to plus 250. Killers of the Flower Moon is second, somewhere between plus 200 or 2 to 1, anywhere out to plus 450. Past Lives is also up there at plus 650 to about plus 800. And then you get the further out, the further shots, the 8 plus 800 or 8 to 1 range, which has Lee, Maestro, the color purple, Blitz, Barbie. You could find of those in varying between 8 to 1 all the way out to 25 to 1 in certain books, depending on what you look at. Uh, you have the plus 900 to plus 10,000s. That's where you're going to find the likes of Dune, Anatomy of a Fall, Ferrari is plus 1,200, The Holdovers plus 1,200, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse plus 1,200. We can go down and talk about the longer shots as we get there. Let's set the table and start and focus on the top three at the odds. Oppenheimer is plus 150 to plus 250. Killers of the Flower Moon, 2 to 1 to 4.5 to 1 or plus 450. And past lives, which we said right now is you could find anywhere from plus 650 to plus 800. So I'm very curious, David, if you look at at least those top two, Oppenheimer and Killers of the Flower Moon, as contenders or pretenders. I have seen pundits pick either of them for best picture. 
We have Clayton Davis backing Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, we've had other pundits back Oppenheimer. I would expect them both to be heavily nominated, I, I would say, but I, 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 past lives I'm not necessarily buying as a as a winner. I'm looking at it as as a hopeful nominee. But how do you view those top three, Dave? Look, the fascinating thing about this market is if you go back to March of this year, literally after the last Oscars, if you're a sad case like me, and fish out the betting odds, um, these these two were the like front... Like us. Sad case <laughs> like us. <laughs> yeah. oh, it's good to be in good company. Um, <laughs> you would have seen that Killers of the Flower Moon was the favourite, uh, and Oppenheimer in most books was sort of second favourite. So, the you know, Hollywood, Vegas, the, the bookies, they, they had a fair idea of what was likely to to be in contention come Oscars Sunday. Now, the interesting thing is that I think the release date is going to be very, very important here. Um, Historically, November release dates have resulted in the most Best Picture winners with 15. January has 11. December has 10. Listen to this. June 5. July 5. If Oppenheimer is to become the 6th July release to win... It would be the first film to do so since Forrest Gump in 1994. I Mm. think that's a negative. Look, the public have a short memory. The critics, we have a short memory. And historically, numbers show that the Academy has a short memory. So in the UK books, before it was released, Oppenheimer was 7 to 1. I'd have been... And damn it, I was tempted to throw a bit of money on that. I think that was a good price. Now it's like, you know, plus 150. It's short, you know, and it's... There's a lot of good films that have got release dates in November, December, January. And look, Barbenheimer has been a worldwide global sensation, but will that hold strong come Oscars Sunday? I'm not sure. Could Scorsese do what he's done recently and be a nominations juggernaut um, but not actually pick up the gold statue? It's a fascinating race. Um, It looks in the books like a two-horse race, but if I'm honest, I would be looking deeper in the field for a bit more value. But I am a maniac. <laughs> well, there is there is logic to that too because I mean we we know having done this for as many years as we have and being degenerates for far beyond <laughs> that the the odds are never going to be shorter for a movie I mean before the holiday season at least than after it just debuts mm. so if Oppenheimer I mean there's a chance that you you know you could wait a month or two and you might be able to get longer odds on Oppenheimer it might drift out to like a four to one plus four hundred mm. even if it does go on to win best picture. The problem I have, I mean, I like that Dave took this from from the angle of the the release date. I'm going to take it from the angle of what we think the nominations are going to be. I mean, it's very likely that Oppenheimer is at least close to double-digit noms. And since the Best Picture field expanded, we in those 14 years, the film that ended that had the most nominations only won Best Picture five times in that 14-year stretch. So even if Oppenheimer does become this nominations juggernaut or the Killers of the Flower Moon, like David said, that's not necessarily a you know a, a golden ticket to best picture stardom and, and setting the, the getting the win there. So I don't know. I might wait on Oppenheimer, but I could also see a world in which Oppenheimer's odds keep getting lower the closer we get because that does smell like a best picture movie to me. The one that worries me of these top three is Past Lives. I mean, if Past Lives is going to win Best Picture, it's got to start to get momentum. Mm. And it's got to start to get momentum soon. And if it does start to get momentum soon, those odds are going to shorten, and they're going to stay short. So, I don't know that you're going to... I mean, if past, if you think Past Lives is actually going to win Best Picture, 
if it does actually have the path to win Best Picture, you may not get better odds than eight to one that you're finding that you're staring at right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, it may drift out. Those odds may drift out to 15 to one, 25 to one. But that, I think, would be a case in which it doesn't really have a shot to win if that happens. I worry that Past Lives did enough during its release. It just didn't seem to strike the zeitgeist. I think New York and L.A. played well. I worry that it agree, played Mike. anything beyond that. It only did $10 million at the box office, which hopefully is enough, and hopefully PVOD is enough to, to, to have them make money, but I'm a little down on its chances there. I think, uh, I think another way to look at this is in terms of the subject matter and the, the tone of the film and whatnot. Like, we've seen... We've seen the Academy go like this tiny indie beauty route, this adorable darling that, that you know, the little engine that could. With the, <laughs> yeah, we've done that. Now it's time to blow something up. <laughs> but we've we've seen in the yeah. distant past the big historical epic, and we've seen that as a Hollywood trend that goes back decades, and you get a couple of decades in Oppenheimer and both Killers of the Flower Moon and Oppenheimer, those big Hollywood three-hour adaptations uh, of, uh, you know, historical events. They've won a lot in the past. I'm wondering if we're going back that way. But, we, you know, look at the last few years. We've seen happy-go-lucky movies or really fun, happy narratives like A Parasite where, where representation is, 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 is reaching record levels, David. So I'm like, I'm looking at these three, and my, my, my only bet here would probably be Killers of the Flower Moon right off the hop here. Would, would you guys agree with that? putting like 10 bucks on killers of the flower moon or if i if i felt like strongly about killers of the flower moon attacking that 450 plus 450 and putting like 50 bucks on it yeah look i think you know it's a tough one because this is the crazy thing about betting on the oscars is these lines can can move and you can kick yourself you know oppenheimer was seven to one in the uk it's come out 50 percent of the bets in this country are on oppenheimer for best picture so mm. that is a huge amount. That's why the line is shortened from seven to one right down to two to one, which has obviously meant Killers of the Flower Moon has drifted out. Now, if you're a Killers of the Flower Moon fan, this is great news. You know, Oppenheimer comes out, smashes the box office. Everyone's talking about Nolan and Killian Murphy and big explosions. And what happens? Killers of the Flower Moon drifts out. And I can guarantee you. When the critics jump on it, when film Twitter jumps on it, when it's, you know, the best Scorsese picture in the history of the universe, which someone's going to say, that line will come down. So it's a juggling match. Um, look, I would have backed Oppenheimer at 7-1. to one. I wouldn't be backing it at the short price now. Um, and I, this, I, I don't know about Killers of the Flower Moon. I, I just don't feel... I don't feel confident in it, you know? And um, I guess... I guess my optimism stems from these people who and these pundits who saw it at Cannes mm. and then rate it their top film and and are predicting it for best picture like a like an MVP or, or Clayton Davis. That's where I, that's where I'm thinking like oh they they know something. They've I think there's it. a logical approach to all three of these right now. I think if mm. you want if you I mean you first of all only bet on them if you actually think they're going to win. Mm. If you want right. to bet if you think Oppenheimer's going to win, wait a month or two. Because I think those odds, just from the the sheer fact that it won't be in theaters anymore, their odds are going to drift. Agreed. And it can always come back. If you like Killers of the Flower Moon, if you think it's going to win, bet it now. Because Mm. that's going to be shorter when it debuts in October. And then October goes right into the holiday season, the Oscars voting season. Mm. I think it's going to be shorter and shorter and shorter if that goes on to win. Past Lives, I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. But if you like it, bet it now. Because if it does go on to win Best Picture, again, I think it's going to get momentum soon. 
That's that's the logic I would think in those three uh, three options. So have conviction and have a spine. Is what you're saying? <laughs> There's not. Well, that's why gamblers feel dumb, right? Like <laughs> you go into this, be like, I got it, got this game nailed, yep. and then the opposite happens. So here's what we should be doing. We should be putting money on the color purple because we picked it at the at the yip phase, Michael. Why not? Yeah. I mean, we're going down to the eight to one and, and longer favorites here. These are books, again, depending, there's a billion betting books out there, including, you know, your, your dear friend Johnny, who you see twice a year. <laughs> the odds are going to change depending on what book you go to. But relatively, here's where you can find some of the odds of the longer shots. You can find at least eight to one on these movies. Lee, Maestro, The Color Purple, Blitz, and Barbie. Anywhere from eight to one to 12 to one, all the way out to eight to one to 25 to one is where you can find Barbie. Is it crazy to put ten dollars on Barbie right now? Yes. If you think it could win, like a like a happy movie that's that's won three out of the four years, like I said, I would be in on Barbie. I would be on the color purple at this at these odds. Maestro, I, I don't I don't have hope for Maestro personally, but oh, damn. I mean it's got all the critics love. It's worth it to put ten dollars on it because you yeah. win two fifty if if Barbie comes through at plus twenty five hundred. I mean. I have to say I was a bit disappointed to hear that about Maestro. That was, for me, that was like an early, way too early prediction in the year. And I think Bradley Cooper could have a massive role to play in Best Actor, and I'm sure we'll get on to that. Look, Barbie, um, I really enjoyed listening to your guys' episode, and I was in the same sort of boat where I was thinking, well, it's probably going to get a guaranteed three, and then there was two or three others you can make a case for. Then it gets into picture, and there is a route for it, and I am thinking play the tape forward, how is that going to do at the Golden Globes? I'm assuming it will be nominated for Best Musical and Comedy. Um, I, w- I would imagine that that would be its reason. You would think, <laughs> but I would have said the same about Bohemian Rhapsody once upon a time. <sighs> so it could do well. It, it's It's got to go musical. It has to. I, I would think. Right? I would you think. Know, and, and, and dare I say, if it did, it, it might be one of the more likely winners in that category. I can't see Barbie doing well at BAFTA. Uh, if I'm honest, I know we, <laughs> I know we have uh, you guys have some. Come on, strong... you guys don't like colorful pink things and <laughs> happiness and. I, I I just can't Oppenheimer maybe at BAFTA and then you look at SAG. So look, if you're a Barbie fan, there are worse, there are crazier things to do than chuck ten twenty bucks on it. Look, I don't think it will happen, but it's more probable to happen than if it was out a few years ago. We've seen that the Academy's somewhat changing, and you know it has a route and. If anything, everything, everywhere, all at once, old hot dog hands um, proved that films can win off momentum, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But for me, Maestro, hopefully we'll talk about that a bit more. Bradley Cooper looks like he's a different human being, so I think that could be an interesting... I mean, the, the people involved in that film is incredible, so um, I wouldn't put you off Maestro. I think you can get plus 1,400, 14 to 1. I think that's an interesting punt. I think that's a really good bet as well. I just, I, oh, the hype of it has already soured me on it. I don't, and I, I mean, it's like, it's kind of like A Star is Born 2, the last Bradley Cooper movie. Like, everyone was so sure it was going to come out and win all these things. And it was a really good movie, but like, you can't, sometimes you can't live up to the own, the hype that you've mm. already started. Is some of it because the makeup and hairstyling looks like bad in the light of day? I mean, his neck kind of looks like a vagina <laughs> at times. <laughs> Um, I am lost for words. The best thing the maestro <laughs> makeup and hair has going for it is Oppenheimer's makeup and hair. <laughs> oh, that okay. There you go. That last what was it? A minute clip? That was wrong, man. Horrible. I mean, that was Horrible. seriously bad. Yeah. Um, yeah. To a point where I sort of gasped in the 
Yeah. I felt like I was it an was insidious John. again. You know, it was like, good God. <laughs> well, Maestro is heading to Venice. We mm. have Lee heading to TIFF. And Blitz is kind of TBD right now where a lot of people are saying it's unlikely to come out in 2023. I was listening to Little Gold Men. They were saying more likely 2024. Steve McQueen, we, we had high hopes for it. Sir Sharon in there. So, Mike, you have some takes on uh, on war movies kind of yeah. contending. I mean, they're... They always the, the the prestige awards caliber war movie lately in the last decade or so is always finishing as the bridesmaid to the best picture category. Like All Quiet on the Western Front last year, nineteen seventeen, a couple of years ago, despite winning Golden Globes and things along the way. Uh, Dunkirk and Darkest Hour in twenty seventeen, Hacksaw Ridge in twenty sixteen. You can argue American Sniper kind of fits that mold. The Imitation Game, I guess, kind of fits that mold in twenty fourteen. Like. The Prestige War movie is a great watch. It has a guaranteed spot in the Best Picture field, but it doesn't win lately. I mean, the the Saving Private Ryan didn't win for Christ's sake. You know, there's yeah. a reason these things these the things Hurt happen. Locker is the last time. Hurt Locker, I think, mm-hmm. is the la- uh, 09, right? The year before was that the year of expansion or the year before? Uh, it's a. I think that was the year of expansion. Oh eight, oh nine. Anyway, we, we don't anyway but you're right. Movies. I mean, going back the the War movies, and maybe year it's of because it was the year of expansion. Maybe it's because hand-in-hand, hand, the United States and Britain, the two largest contingents in the <laughs> academy, we were flung, you know, balls deep in two wars that were not going well for a while. <laughs> what are you talking about? We've never lost a war. <laughs> Good God. Uh, all right. This is a rabbit hole, guys. Let's get out of it quick. <laughs> the, all right. What? So, 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 Mike, your next sprinkle that you're looking at is the holdovers at plus 1,200 to plus plus twenty. Because I'm a bad person, and so is everyone in Hollywood. <laughs> like there's there's controversy that could be attached to that, right? Mm. The holdover is out to twelve hundred, and here's the twelve to one plus field. Ferrari is anywhere from twelve to one to twenty to one. Holdovers twelve to one to twenty five to one. Spider Man across the Spider Verse twelve to one out to fifty to one. If you can find it, which if you can find it at fifty to one, throw some money on it. Why not? Um, we've seen this pairing before. We've seen the 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 Payne Giamatti team come close and sniff Best Picture awards glory once, and now you're going to sell me that. Paul Giamatti is now playing Ebenezer Scrooge in a coming-of-age tale set in the Dead Poets Society on winter break in a Thanksgiving release. Like, my lone concern with that movie is Alexander Payne, one. Yes. <laughs> I mean, that's there's some, there's some horror show attached to that and some bad word of mouth, obviously, and rightful bad word of mouth, for one. Uh, but two is that it won't hold up well historically, but that has nothing to do with its best picture odds this year. Is it a comedy, I wonder, a dramedy kind of thing? I don't Obviously, know, Alex- Sideways. Yeah, and it sideways didn't win. Alexander Payne was accused of some lousy, rotten stuff by Rose McGowan. Sure was. Uh, She's been proven very truthful in the last two decades herself. Uh, But that would be a typical Academy, like, oh, it's okay. Everything's forgiven. Uh, Well, I mean, hopefully the... Ladies and gentlemen, Green Book! doesn't (laughs) follow... Doesn't follow the Venice uh, Film Festival people uh, right. of late, but I mean they've shied away from embattled people like Ansel Elgort's and West Side True. Story or Shia and True. Pieces of a Woman. And you of like late. to think with the with a widening and more diversified Academy, th- it wouldn't have a chance. I agree with those points. All right, I, I'm I'm curious about this next group. I mean, I would think maybe Rustin at fifty to one. Uh, poor things moving to to December, guys. Otherwise, I'm doubting Asteroid City 
The Killer at four, plus 1,400 to plus 1,600. That's going to Venice. That's coming out in November, David. That's checking mm-hmm. some boxes for you. We have uh, Napoleon at plus 1,600 to plus 3,300. Again, November. However, it's a war movie, but maybe it's also this drama, mm. uh, chamber piece drama, this bodice-ripping dra- drama, perhaps. It's got goods for everyone in, in, in the creepy extent, <laughs> er, creepy, creepy way there, guys. So what the hell are we looking at in terms of sprinkling? Well, I'll, I'll lead up top. I mean, I can tell you one thing. Do not back Asteroid City at 14, 16 to 1. I'm sorry, I but... I think that's good advice. That That is... I mean, look, if you're listening to this and you want to back it, I'll offer you a 1,000 to 1. You know, <laughs> if you know, uh, maximum bet a dollar. But <laughs> you know, I, I loved Asteroid City. Um, I thought it was a great film. It was like the most Wes Anderson of Wes Anderson movies. And the Alien might be quite apt, c- considering some statements that have been made over in your neck of the world recently, Good which point. are bizarre. Um, and I do. All that means is we're going to invade someone soon. That's all that announcement I d- means. I d- but go ahead. Do you know? I do pray if there ever is an alien invasion, it is that alien from Asteroid City because he seemed like a wonderful gentleman. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I wouldn't back Asteroid City. Napoleon. Do you know what? Maybe I'm just not in the loop enough. But this is surely like a a big player in 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 the awards. Do, do, does it not seem crazy that Napoleon is that far out when you have something versus like what did I say before? Blitz is so much closer, and Lee is so much closer, which are two movies we know very little about. Yeah, I agree. But look, this category, this range of sort of 14 plus 4, you know, 1,400 to 33 to 1 is interesting. You know, um, everything everywhere all at once last year, I've got a screenshot on my phone of it at 25 to 1. Whoa. You know that that is the sort of, that was the, that you know when this buzz started the bookie said oh we'll chuck it in at twenty five to one so look the bookmakers want to suck you in with short prices and say look it's bound to be Oppenheimer it's bound to be Killers of the Flower Moon work backwards from the highest odds and down and if you see something that takes your fancy five or ten bucks you know if it hits wonderful if it you know if it's involved in the season. That's the great thing about Oscars betting. You you know, a horse race is over in two minutes. If you put a $10 bet down now, you've got eight months following that horse. That horse may lose, but you've got eight months of fun. So, um, <laughs> But, yeah, Asteroid City is, is, is terribly priced. Napoleon is interesting. Um, the trailer looked incredible. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is one of my favourite actors. So, yeah, I will be studying these odds in some depth for many nights. Um, but, yeah, we always like a sprinkle. There's nothing wrong with a sprinkle. <laughs> Mike, you got some bad things you've heard about Firebrand? Firebrand got those divisive reviews at can. Jude Law was called disgusting. And Amazon have it, has it now. Now, mm. Amazon has usurped <laughs> MGM. I'm just going to try to piss off all the studios in one episode. <laughs> <laughs> but MGM knows how to uh, do an Oscar campaign. So even though I'm backhanded backhanding them pretty hard here i'm backhanding if, if those people are still at amazon i'm backhandedly complimenting some of them because they have some people i'm sure bezos has some oscar strategist that he took from mgm so maybe maybe it's not for firebrand maybe it's for Saltburn that we'll talk about in a minute or maybe it's for air that we're, we'll talk about right now in the in the terms of the 20 to ones mike air the bike riders next goal wins mm-hmm. the wonderful story of henry sugar those are all the 20 to ones i would go towards next goal wins but you're looking at you're looking at 
I mean, maybe not air to, to go against, but you're looking at the bike riders, I'm guessing. I would put $100 on the bike riders right now. <laughs> what? Which yeah. is just which is just announced today that it's coming out December 1st. Right, in that, right in that window. It's got a December 1st release date. But to your point, I mean, the, the, the take I had before the bike riders release date was announced was, yeah, like, what, what do we do with Amazon? Because Air, I, I still think Air, it should be in the conversation for Best Picture. I don't think it's going to win. But I think it should at least be in that conversation. But Amazon's history of, like, FYP campaigns is odd. Like, they didn't do much for 13 Lives last year. The tender bar could have been taken much more seriously by pundits. Being the Ricardos, I guess, was a success story for them for how they campaigned it and what it ended up getting nomination-wise. One Night in Miami could have been more, especially in that Oscars year of 2020. Sound of Metal... It seemed to land those six nominations it landed in spite of any promotion from the studio. I mean, they did a couple banners from what I saw on some billboards, but I didn't. You could have gotten much more behind that. You go all the way back to The Big Sick, and we loved that movie, and we were like, why, why isn't this being talked? Like, where is the promotion for The Big Sick during. It, it just isn't there. So I'm with you. I'm very curious to see and keep tabs on what Amazon does this year as far as campaigning for these movies. That said, of these 20 to 1 or more long shots, you just heard Dave talk about how everything everywhere was 25 to 1 at one point. I mean, Jeff Nichols, loaded cast, Elvis comes back, becomes a motorcycle guy, Michael <laughs> Shant, you know, I, I put $100. I mean, if you can get two grand of a $100 bet in the bike riders and look like the smartest man in the world, why wouldn't you do it? This because you might just be pissing away a hundred dollars. <laughs> I've I've thrown that money away on so much worse. <laughs> let let me tell you, this is music to my ears. Absolute music to my ears because I have a little uh, on the Apple iPhone the notes section where I sort of make notes throughout the the season of things I've heard, and I kept hearing about the bike riders, the bike riders, and I think it's Tom Hardy, Austin Butler, Jodie Comer. Oh, and I, keep saying names. And 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 I thought. I like the sound of this, and it's currently, I've got a few betting accounts, but my primary betting account is uh, offering 28 to 1, and, I, <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm interested. Unfortunately, the maximum stake is £20 because they're cowards. Oh, um, boo! <laughs> but, look, I think that release date, that cast, um, the Austin Butler momentum from last year, Tom Hardy is an absolute powerhouse in anything. He, he touches Jodie Comer. Look, that would interest me. Um, I think, I think it, it it would need a bit of buzz. It would need a bit of momentum, but twenty-eight to one, you know, hundred dollars. I'm in. Let's yes. do it. And Mike, as far as like, what else in that range could hit? You have what I would think is the, what I would power rank as second amongst those. Yeah, next goal wins could uh, repeat as the Grolsch Audience Award winner at Toronto for Taika Waititi. Uh, He's been announced there from the very beginning. I don't know if he's going to be able to promote it at TIFF. A lot of people are wondering if these actors uh, who act in the movie or if they're writer-directors, if they can promote these films. It sounds like some of them are getting waivers to do so. But this is a true sports story, a really fun trailer. There's this smart film festival launch but there's also some historic representation involved in the movie you you still have the white surrogate character but it's kind of a play on that maybe it's kind of taking the piss out of the the white savior complex uh and that'll be refreshing for us all so i could see next goal wins and kind of a a flat field being a compromise winner of best picture i could see that at the end of the day 
especially if people are like watching Oppenheimer and it's oh, it's just too negative or it will give you know Nolan director and if they're looking at Scorsese's <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon and it's such a downer and it's so it's such a twisted romance you know and we're like oh Jesus we can't and it's three hours and there's like 45 minutes he should have cut yeah, I could see that not winning because yeah, we've yeah. seen that movie not win before it was The Irishman yeah it was Mank. I mean, shit. Great points made. Uh, it obvious, I mean, I know we're more than a half hour now into this episode, but the strike is going to play a pivotal role into exactly what the FYP season is going, the campaign season is going to look like for any of these movies. The the deal A24, I think, struck with SAG already, if I remember right. I could be misquoting, but I think they, they went out and did their own. And if A24 is the lone studio to have that, does that include campaigning for their movies? Are they going to be the only ones with the people, uh, with the cast and the, the A-listers on the red carpet, et cetera, et cetera? A lot of stuff to look at as far as the strike and how that plays a role into this Oscar season. We'll wrap up the uh, the best picture previewing here in the gambling preview with uh, the long long shots 25 to 1 or further we have magazine dreams Bo is afraid elemental is out at plus 3300 saltburn is out at plus 4000 wish and indiana jones and the depends of destiny are up plus 5000 or more super mario brothers is plus 8000 uh anyone want to go anywhere with any of those <laughs> saltburn worries me now it got the november release 1124 of 2023 but the odds are as long as plus 10,000, you know, plus 100 to 1. Uh, we got the plot premise. I don't want to blame Jacob Alordi, but... <laughs> <laughs> but this seems like a bougie premise where we're going to be we're going to be going to this college and is it going to be hazing? I don't know what to expect. Saltburn's going to be rough, but struggling to find his place at Oxford University, student Oliver Quick, Barry Keegan, Keoghan, uh finds himself drawn into the world of the charming and aristocratic Felix Catton, played like by Jacob Alordi there, who invites him to Saltburn, his eccentric family, sprawling estate for a summer never to be forgotten. I just watched House of Hammer and Army Hammer and all these bougie Ooh. nightmares is that what this is oh. kind of thing? It's this, this succession. It's got it's the director for it. <laughs> eyes wide shut, critique, but that's never going to win Best Picture, correct? I mean, unlikely. You would have said the same about Promising Young Woman once upon a time, right? Does somebody know something about this to give it these odds, I guess is what I'm guessing. Does Vegas, somebody in Vegas know something about Saltburn? And where they're like, no, no way this is palatable for a best picture. That's my worry with those odds because they don't seem concerned, David. Yeah, they don't no, seem it's concerned. <clears throat> those it's interesting though because sometimes the bookies can be clever. You know, let's let's not forget with um, everything everywhere all at once, twenty-five to one. A lot of people saying it can't win. Look at the price. Look, if this was say six or seven to one, we'd be having a different conversation. So by pushing the odds out. It's sort of making it seem like it's not in the conversation. The truth is, I don't know, but the bookies are very smart. I've seen it on, you know, particularly on, on horse racing, that horses that should be much shorter, they put it a bigger price, and then people don't pay as much attention to it. Um, so, look, I don't know. I mean, all I will say is Indiana Jones. I mean, <laughs> bet 100 bucks on that, and you'll you'll lose 100 bucks. Um, that that is That is not winning Best Picture, and if it does, I will... <laughs> Well, I don't know what I do, but it be it will be criminal. <laughs> so, 
otherwise, just to wrap up here in Best Picture, The Book of Clarence moved to 2024. Flint Strong will come out in August mm-hmm. of 2024. Mike and I, we were both looking at those two. Uh, the Boy and the Heron is coming out. It's going to lead Tiff. So that that's Miyazaki's uh, film. But that's but more... he wants no promotion for that. He he wanted none of it to begin with. He just wanted yeah. to go old school. Just a yeah. poster, a, a poster and a title. A poster and Miyazaki a title. Miyazaki spits on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, the Iron Claw, just like the bike riders, a recent announcement that it's going to get a December release. So that's now confirmed from A24. That's an intriguing title. But otherwise, Mike, you found out that the piano lesson, the Samuel Jackson, John David Washington film, that that definitely got bumped. So these were yeah. movies that showed up in our yip, and now they're gone. Poof. Yeah, our year in preview section, we will be updating our, our, again, the closer we get to the Oscars, the less sure our predictions are. So we will be giving you the 75% uh, accurate <laughs> 75% accurate Oscar <laughs> predictions as we move on in the summer here. Uh, that'll wrap up mm. Best Picture. We can move on to Best Actor here. A quick rundown of the odds. Killian Murphy currently leads the pack at plus 110. Leo is second at plus 225. Coleman Domingo for Rustin sits at plus 400. Alden Ehrenreich for Fair Play is 5-1. to one. Joaquin Phoenix for Napoleon is 650. David Strathern for A Little Prayer, 750. Paul Giamatti, 850 for the holdovers. TOU is 950 from Past Lives. Matt Damon for Air is plus 1,000. Bradley Cooper for Maestro, plus 1,200. Adam Driver, plus 1,400 for Ferrari. Michael Fassbender, plus 1,500 from The Killer. Let's start there with someone. All right. Just quick things. Clayton Davis is picking Giamatti right now, and he's plus 850. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know that when I was doing my holdovers thing in Best Picture. I, I, this is the first I'm hearing of this. That makes me feel better. The holdovers is getting a lot of buzz. Is that what you guys are looking at in a, in a field like this, where you have first-timers and repeat winners, so you're looking for that name that's overdue, like a Bradley Cooper or a Paul Giamatti? Because that's what I look for. I like Bradley Cooper and Maestro at plus 1,200. Adam Driver, plus 1,400 for Ferrari. Th- those two in particular, you know, they, they like you have a, a ring the alarm here, Mike, written down. So, I mean, yeah. that, that, that just jumps off the page to me. That is that. That specifically is exactly what I'm looking for when I'm at when I'm this far out and know this little about this many titles. I don't know about you, Dave. Yeah, look, this this is a really interesting category because all the names I mentioned back in March, Killian Murphy, DiCaprio, Domingo, Cooper, they're like the front four in the UK books. And I have to be honest, every year I have a horse. Um, last year it was Brendan Fraser. I've had Lady Gaga. I absolutely evacuated my bank account onto A Star Is Born. This. <laughs> Let me, that was the favourite going into yeah. bloody Golden Globes night, and then it all went tits up. Anyway, we move mm-hmm. on. I have to be honest, I feel like, I mean, I don't have a mortgage, but if I had a mortgage, <laughs> remortgaging the house, draining the safe, selling all my gold bullion, and absolutely steaming in hard to Bradley Cooper. Look, nominated <laughs> look, nominated for Best Actor in 2013 for Silver Linings Playbook. Extraordinary performance. Best Supporting Actor in American Hustle. Wasn't a huge fan, but a good performance. Best Actor, American Sniper. He was superb. Best Actor in A Star Is Born. In my opinion, should have won that year. Should've Give won. this man his damn Oscar. Bloody hell. You know, and then I was thinking we, we made that joke about the hair and makeup, but don't forget the hair and makeup double with with lead actors or actresses. You know, you see that Gary Oldman, Darkest Hour, the eyes of Tammy Faye and Je- Jessica Chastain and the whale and Brendan Fraser. Um, 
Look, this may be his year, but I've said that before. He's like three or four to one, by the way, in the UK books. Third mm. favourite. And I think that's a good price. So if you are an American listener and you can get 12 to one, I guarantee you with my life that he will not be 12 to one come Oscars Sunday. That is a great value bet. And if you can get 12 to one, get stuck in because I think he's a big player. And I think Killian Murphy, obviously big box office hit. DiCaprio, one of the greats. They're, they're going to be talked about, but don't rule out Bradley Cooper. I think it's 12 to one is a great price. Get involved. 12 to 1 is a phenomenal price for that. I co-sign everything you just said, and I, I agree that those odds bewilder me. I don't understand it. The only thing I would say as far as, like, well, I'll say two things. Uh, first of all, Dave talked before about how volatile the, mic, the markets are right now, and you can see that in this one update. I mean, the Killian Murphy was plus 200 or plus 300, depending on the book, before Oppenheimer's debut this past week, and now he's plus 110. Leo was the favorite at plus 100 or even odds. And now he's in second place, and they, they added $125 of value to his uh, to his value. Too many babies to his value there <laughs> uh, for second place now. So I mean, that's that's one. Two is speaking of Killian Murphy, I could absolutely see this turning into an inevitable coronation in the vein of Will Smith. Hopefully, with less physical assault at the end of it, but I could see this being like the Killian Murphy year. I mean, I think he was that good in Oppenheimer. But okay, so if you're going to bet on Killian Murphy, you're going to wait, though, like you said. You should, unless you think it's going to be the coronation, because this could become minus 300 pretty quick if that's what happens. And yet, we're looking at a film festival season where there might be a lot of praise for a Giamatti, a Cooper, and even a Adam Driver now for Ferrari, mm -hmm. which has got a marquee spot at the New York Film Festival, closing nighter for the Michael Mann mm -hmm. film, also going to Venice. So you would think that that those those will all shorten, or at least one of those three will shorten, or Fastbender will shorten. Yeah, I mean they're not all going to hit, being at right? The festivals. They're not mm -hmm. all going to be like surefire Oscar noms. This happens every year with us around this time. I don't know how to gauge the festivals either, guys. Like this year, we know some of these big movies are bowing out, David, because of the actor strike and that the fact that these actors cannot promote the films there so how do how do we weigh the importance of all these big big spots these marquee spots opening closing night centerpiece do we weigh them the same or do we take you know take some uh some importance off of them yeah i mean that's a fascinating question i mean we i did say earlier about the disadvantage of oppenheimer coming out in july obviously the statistics show that june and july aren't good for best picture winner Flip it on its head, though, with all these strikes going on, people, are they going to be able to promote their films? Like Oppenheimer and Barbie, for that matter, like they've done the groundwork. They're out there. They're, people know these films. They've heard of these films. They've seen these films. You know, my cinema, I've never seen it so full. It's the fullest it's been post-COVID. So they've got plenty of ticks in the boxes. What effects the strikes are going to have, I have absolutely no idea. I have to say, Paul um, Giamatti there, tipped or, or or number one for clayton davis at plus 800 he's 10 to 1 in the uk again look if if, if clayton davis has it at one if someone has you know, of clayton davis's stature a prediction at number one and it's 10 to 1 again you should get involved dicaprio one of my favorite actors of all time i just i just don't know you know there's so many films he should have won for the film he did one win for i don't think it was his best performance got a chip on my shoulder before that and Killian Murphy he 
he's an interesting chap, but he doesn't have social media. He's a very private guy. You don't know a lot about him. I don't know. And he's the kind of guy, he's, he's going to be like Joe Pesci winning the Oscar. He'll just walk up and say thanks very much mm. and walk off the stage. He's not <laughs> going to give a big speech about wars or the environment. So come Oscar season, you know, at the precursors, at the BAFTA, at the Golden Globes, at the Screen Actors Guild, who's going to win and how important are their speeches going to be? Because, look, maybe Killian Murphy will blow me away with a, an amazing speech, but he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. Uh, whereas Bradley Cooper, if he gets an early award in the bank, I can see him giving a a, a big speech. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I could look at these odds for many hours, as I intend to do, and slowly lose my mind. <laughs> we'll wrap up actor with the long shots here. <laughs> Barry Keoghan, 18-1 to 1 for Saltburn. Timothy Chalamet, 20-1 to 1 for Dune Part 2. Paul Dano, 25-1 to 1 for Dumb Money. Jay Baruchel, 30-1 to 1 for Blackberry. Don't waste your money on that. Not that, that that's a good performance, but that's that movie's had its day is my point jonathan majors for magazine dreams 40 to 1 don't waste your money on that for very very different reasons so i would look at barry keoghan of Saltburn as a possibility there for a sprinkle i otherwise i'm waiting for odds on riz ahmed from fingernails or austin butler of the bike riders maybe harris dickinson from blitz if those movies come out i'm wondering who the lead is in freud's last session if sony pictures classics tries to have a late breaker benedict cumberbatch could crash this party from the wonderful world of henry sugar wes anderson's other movie otherwise zach efron we know now will be in it michael but you have you have a clear name circled out of those that group with a 25 to 1 odd. I just think Dumb Money is going to be a bigger player than, I mean, I don't think people are thinking of it right now because it's not coming out anytime soon. All we have is the one trailer. And Paul Dano, I mean, he, we're now in the, the, the Dano-sance. I mean, we're in like back-to-back-to-back <laughs> great performances. This could be his third in a row off the Batman and uh, the Fablemans. You know, where he, was he nominated last year for the Fablemans or should he have been? I don't. I don't remember if Paul Dano's been nominated yet, but David, are you looking at any of these these young studs in their prime as having like this winner upside if they're just undeniable and the performance is fantastic? I mean, look, I think Paul Dano's an obvious um, an obvious contender, you know, and if you can get that kind of price, then that's very, very interesting. Um, I'd say this is a tough category, man, because you know you could back Murphy and DiCaprio both of them throughout the season as they flip-flop and pray that one of them wins and probably turn a profit but Giamatti and um, Cooper would be my plays in the outside because I I think those lines will only come down Um, and if I look any further if I look at these 40 to 50 to one shots I'll end up boiling test tubes losing my mind and ended (laughs) up in a padded cell so um Dano has a, has not been nominated yet, guys, okay. by the way. Dano has not. There you go. So he's due for at least for a nomination. Christ. Um, okay. We'll move on to Best Actress, and here's the disclaimer I'll put. Vegas Insider, and I'm sure a lot of other books are doing this at this point, too. They off, Where I got these lines from, Vegas Insider, they're offering some names in both the lead and supporting category for, both, for the same performance. Um, mm. Be careful. Obviously, if you're betting this early, you're taking a lot of risk as it is. That's why these lines are giving you the value they do but i i would imagine if you bet on let's say emily blunt in best actress and she runs a supporting that's a lost bet for you i bet the house takes your money so they take your money yeah so that's what i would assume would happen in that instance obviously check with your own book but be very very careful but nonetheless let's talk about best actress and emily blunt does lead the field even though we seem to think and 
I mean, for for good reason. She would run a supporting, but she leads the Best Actress category right now, plus 250. Fantasia Barino for The Color Purple is plus 300. Carrie Mulligan for Maestro at plus 325. Margot Robbie for Barbie, plus 400. Annette Benning for Nyad, plus 800. We can start there with that top five. So Fantasia Barino was our pick months ago, Michael. Plus 300 tells me that Vegas listens to our year in preview no series. Others, no other conclusion can be drawn. I agree. Because nobody, I mean, I, I guess a few people ha- have her now, but nobody had her months ago. And she's going to win a number on top one. of it. Because so, we're 100% accurate when that episode came out. That's right. Yeah. So, the, and, and then she comes out in a trailer and she's belting out these beautiful songs and, oh, my God, she looks like she's delivering a huge performance. So, anyway, David, I have no idea what to think of this category. I can't apply the same logic that I applied for the other category where the Carrie Mulligans and the and, and, and these, these people banging on the door like, a, like a Annette Benning should get it because the films perplex me. Those are two Netflix films. Nyad, she might be underwater the whole time, Annette Benning. <laughs> <laughs> Jodie Foster might get the supporting nom- uh, nomination and win because she's cheering for. Her. She's the coach. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what to make of this category. I really do not, David. Yeah, I mean, what was said there is absolutely spot on. Be very careful about the bookmakers and where they put people, because I I remember a couple of years ago seeing Tom Hanks in lead, and he was one of the short. He was quite a short price favorite, and everyone you know, from Next Best Picture and Clayton Davis yourselves were like, this is a supporting role, etc. And obviously, to answer your question, yes, the bookies would take your money. If you backed someone in supporting actress for $100 and they go lead, your money's done immediately. I, look, I think this whole category hinges on Lily Gladstone um, and where she, um, where she is campaigned. Because in the UK now, in the UK book... Um, uh, Paddy Power, I should say, which is Mm -hmm. an Irish bookmaker, so obviously very trustworthy. Um, (laughs) Lily Lily Gladstone is the favourite at six to five, by the way, gentlemen. Near enough, Eve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seriously, in Paddy Power, Lily Gladstone is six to five, essentially even money favourite. Fantasia Barino is six to five, and then you've got like Margot Robbie at five to one, and and the the book you listed is pretty much spot on. So look, if she goes lead, Lily. And by the way, I made I made a note in my notes that said Lily Gladstone six to five. That might look like a serious price from what I've heard about her performance, the nature of the Scorsese pick. It's going to be very actor heavy. That might look like a good price, but again. I haven't seen the film. If she goes supporting, then you've done your money. I have to say, I can't, I cannot see how Emily Blunt could be campaigned in lead, but I'd have to look. Sense to me. I'd have to rewatch it, and someone will have recorded her screen time. But she obviously has a, a fantastic speech, an Oscar-winning sort of clip near the end of the movie. If you've seen the film, you'll know the one I'm referring to. But I don't think she's a lead. This category is a minefield. Um, Carrie Mulligan. Um, if she is lead, um, which I believe she probably would be campaigned in, she's 14 to 1 in the UK, so that would interest me. But I think it all hinges on Lily Gladstone and where she's campaigned. They'll want to campaign her where she can win, and they'll have to decide which category they think is, obviously within the rules, uh, more likely, if that makes sense. I wonder if they're being a little sneaky here, too, knowing that Gladstone is more likely to run as supporting and have a better chance at winning as supporting. So they're going to entice you with these wild odds, these super long odds to take her in lead actress because she's a big, a powerful name with a big movie behind her and she's going to get shot at an Oscar. 
And then they're like, oh, just kidding. We just wanted your money. Now we'll give it to you at one twenty plus 125 for supporting actress when she officially announces she's running there. So what are you guys doing with your money here? Are you going to let it burn a hole in your pocket? Or do you have I'll take the $100 that I was group? going to put on this category and put it on the bike riders. I'll put $200 on the bike riders. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I got my answer. I'm <laughs> fascinated by that. Because I, you got to let this category play out because it's, it's crazy It's right a now. stay away. Yeah. It's a mm. stay away. It's crazy. I mean, we can go down the list at the longest shots. Greta Lee, 10 to 1. Natalie Portman for May, December is plus 1,200. Sandra Huller for Anatomy of a Fall. I've seen her at plus 400 in one book somewhere. I can't remember where, but she's also listed at plus 1,500 on Vegas Insider. Uh, and again, I mean, talking about Dave's books that he deals with and the books at Vegas Insider, mm-hmm. like the disparity in price is there for a reason. There's a lot of uncertainty right now. Yeah. Uh, Kate Winslet for the movie Lee plus 1700 Phoebe DeNiver for fair plays 2000 plus 2000 Lily Gladstone, Jane Levy, Emma Stone listed at 25 to one Jody Comer, Kirsten Dunst plus 3000 Nicole Kidman, 35 to one Regina King at 40 to one Helen Mirren for gold is plus 4,500 Zendaya was plus 5,000, but there was a lot of uncertainty with that movie. And it was just announced recently that challengers has officially been moved to April of 2024. Yeah. This is a wide open category in my opinion. Uh, Dave, you got a couple names listed here as perhaps sprinkle sprinkles for you, Vanessa Kirby, Sandra Huller. What do you think? It's a tough one, man. I, I I don't know. I mean, j- just to say, Sandra Huller is four to one in the UK books. In at third. Oh, it was Dave's book. I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I was like, I've seen her at four to one somewhere. It was Dave, Dave who had it. I'm yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So if you can that. get Jesus. that plus fifteen hundred, fifteen to one, uh, I'd get involved. And also, look, Lily Gladstone at six to five. I'm not getting involved because I think that's too short a price if we don't know the category. But if you can get her at a big odd in one of the American books. 100% worth a bet. Um, this is a funky category, man. I'm not going to lie. Throw a dart at a dartboard kind of category. It's not... It's very hard to be certain <laughs> when you don't know where people are going to be campaigned. So this is this is, this is is one that requires patience, which I don't have. Um, <laughs> but I will try. <laughs> uh, yeah, like, like Mike said, we're not... Dave and I don't, we're not the type to let a money burn a hole in our pocket. We'll find something else to bet. It's true. We just won't bet on this. That's all. <laughs> we'll move on to best director of the odds from Vegas Insider updated just on the 27th of July. But again, there is a disparity between what's going on in American books and uh, overseas European books. And we'll talk about those. Christopher Nolan right now, plus 205 favorite in the category for Oppenheimer. Scorsese is second at plus 300. Greta Gerwig for Barbie, plus 450. Bradley Cooper's plus 500 for Maestro. Ben Affleck for Air sits at plus 600. Emerald Fennell and Celine Song you can get in about the plus 700 range for Saltburn and Past Lives, respectively. Denis Villeneuve wasn't even nominated for Dune Part 1. Dune Part 2, he's sitting at plus 900. Ridley Scott for Napoleon, plus 900. And then you have the longer shots beyond 10 to 1. Wes Anderson for Asteroid City. Justine Trier for Anatomy of a Fall. David Fincher for The Killer, all 12 to 1. Sophia Coppola for Priscilla, it's 15 to 1. Ethan Cohen for Driveway Dolls. Michael Mann for Ferrari are 20 to 1. And then so on and so forth. Alexander Payne, we've talked about the holdovers, 25 to 1 right now. So, David... Do you like any of, the, uh, of these top guys putting money on a Nolan or a Scorsese? Are you, I, I, where do you attack this list, guys? Because, again, I would, I would think, but, 
But mm. here's the thing. Now we've seen the movie. Like Christopher Nolan's directorial performance was so good. We've seen the movie. We, will you be a sucker? And, and you know what? And, and, and they will rue the day for giving you <laughs> even the sucker level odds here. They will rue the day because we'll be right. And just take, take, Nolan, take whatever you can get with Nolan. Best director is a really interesting category to bet on early because, I mean, I've seen it in the last couple of years. There's normally two, three directors that are fairly short and one of them tends to start to build momentum and come Oscars Sunday, director, not always, but can be a very, very heavy, short-priced favourite. Yes. I have to be honest, at plus 205 or it's 6-4 to four in the UK book for Christopher Nolan... I think that could be good value. I was going to um, say the same thing, Dave. I look, Scorsese sits just behind in the UK book at seven to four, which is a bit lower than two to one. That's a coin toss, but if I had to toss a coin, I'd pray it lands on Nolan. I think Scorsese is a genius, but Nolan recently has just been pumping out film after film after film. I mean, Scorsese has as well, but is it just Nolan's time? Um, I think Nolan's an interesting bet, and I think you know, pl- you know, six to four now that could be minus any number you like come Oscar Sunday. So actually, if I had to bet on this category, I would probably go Nolan. Um, Bradley Cooper for Maestro's ten to one in the UK book. I can't see him winning if he didn't win for A Star Is Born. I I don't know what's going on with the Academy there. Um, look, there's lots of outsiders, but I think it is between Nolan and Scorsese, and my money would go on. Nolan. The last thing I'll say is uh, Denis Villeneuve for Dune should have been nominated last time for Dune Part 1. Surely, surely gets nominated for Part 2. Um, I mean, if he doesn't, we riot. Um, assuming the film's... No, I'm serious. Assuming the film... I mean, how did he not get nominated? I'm we won't go you. down that rabble. Nolan, um, get your wallet out, walk to your local legal, obviously legal, uh, gambling... <laughs> We we all have a dodgy bookie down the road. Well, I do anyway. Legal gambling establishment. (laughs) I'm going to get in trouble. Um, Get your money on Nolan. I'll shut up. (laughs) Yeah, that would be my approach. I I think if you can get, you know, double your money plus 200 right now. I mean, 25 bucks wins your 50 of profit or 100. I would take if you're you're gambling in, in $100 units. Put fifty on Nolan, put twenty five on Gerwig, and then pick a long shot you like. I would, I, I will bet and back David Fincher so long as David Fincher makes movies because God damn it, he <laughs> deserves it. So I'm, I'm mm. tempted by Fincher. I'm tempted by Ridley Scott, even though I'm not the biggest Ridley Scott guy. That again, that trailer just looks different, and that scope of that movie looks huge and vast. Uh, those are the those are the ones I'm looking at right now. But I think Nolan makes sense if they're giving you that much profit. I could see the worm turn towards Gerwig. And just, you know, if she's not going to have a shot at Best Picture, she gets a lot of momentum for the job she did walking that tightrope with Barbie, especially if Oppenheimer does turn into a runaway with Best Picture. Let's give Greta Gerwig, let's give Barbie something. Um, but, yeah, that's that's my thinking, Mike. So there's some intriguing value for the both of you guys, even though you, you're tempted to just go like and throw $100 on Nolan. But I, I would have, like, a Sofia Coppola for me from, uh, sure. from Pris- Priscilla. I may be a victim of the the snappy montage of that trailer, that teaser trailer. I, I don't know Great the tempo song. of the film, 
but yeah, great song, great teaser trailer. Yeah. And we know that Priscilla's got the centerpiece at New York. We know it's going to Venice. We know Sofia Coppola is has been nominated before for Lost in Translation. She was 0 for 3, unfortunately, there. But she's got this beautiful career. So like a Fincher, Gerwig, Nolan, you could perhaps get that that overdue nomination uh to that could actually win with uh with a much better betting line in this instance uh and i'm also wondering if scorsese does win it this year will tarantino make movies past the age of 60 guys i would like i would like an answer on that question as well because that might that might taunt him that might prove him wrong all of his thinking about you can't make movies uh at at, at in your golden years what if Tarantino finds out his movie comes out the same year as the Sunset Boulevard remake and he kills Glenn Close? Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, God. Like, I can't do it. I can't, have, I can't risk anything anymore. I'm due. I need this to happen for me. I'm sorry, Glenn. It's like the nexus of all your <laughs> grudges and theories and everything. I think the next Glenn Close film that's a legitimate Oscar contender should just play on every screen in every cinema for eight months. And they should fly her around to all of them and do meet and greets personally. Just to guarantee that golden statue. She was a heavy, heavy short-priced favourite. Was it The Wife? Yes, it was The Wife. Don't act like you don't know it was The Wife. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I couldn't remember if it was The Wife or The Husband, but it shows... (laughs) She was real. I mean, somebody lost a lot of money on Glenn Close because somebody had a serious amount of cash on. She was a a big minus number. And it does happen. It does happen. What a shame. Yeah, well, I mean, (laughs) the most famous one to get, like, really in the weeds with this Oscars betting stuff, and you can find value even up to Oscars Sunday, but, like, that Her song, what movie was that from, Mike? The, 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 was that Judas and the Black Judas Messiah? And the Bla- Judas and the Black Messiah It was, like, Messiah 66 song, yeah. to 1 in some books on Oscars Sunday. That's oh, yeah. disappointing. I mean, it's crazy. Mm, that was oh, yeah. crazy, yeah. We move on. We'll talk about the last two categories here are the supporting ones. We'll start with supporting actor. Here are the betting odds. Again, this is Vegas Insider. Uh, for the American book, there might be some discrepancy in the European books. De Niro leads the category. Killers of the Flower Moon, plus 175. Robert Downey Jr. for Oppenheimer, plus 200. John Magaro for Past Lives. Hell yeah, man. Plus 400. Ryan Gosling for Barbie, plus 500. Chris Messina for Air, plus 650. Matt Bomer for Maestro, plus 700. So is Willem Dafoe for Poor Things. Noah Galvin for Theater Camp at plus 800. Jesse Plemons, Killers of the Flower Moon, plus 900. Then you get into the 10 to 1 and beyond. Charles Melton for May, December is plus 1,000. Matt Damon for Oppenheimer and Glenn Howerton for Blackberry. And Ben Affleck for Air, for that matter, all plus 1,200. Coleman Domingo for The Color Purple is plus 1,500. Samuel L. Jackson for The Piano Lesson. That comes out in 2024. That's a uh, DNA. Disqualified. That's not, you don't need to know those odds. <laughs> I just read what's on the prompter. Ron, uh, Ron Burgundy here. <laughs> Jeremy Allen White for The Iron Claws, 25 to 1. So is Mark Ruffalo for Poor Things, as is Austin Butler for Dune Part 2. Not listed for The Bike Riders. Uh, Tom Hardy is listed for The Bike Riders at 40 to 1. Jude Law for Firebrand is 30 to 1. And Benedict Cumberbill for Book of Clarence is 50 to 1. All right. Can I just say this right off the hop here? Now I know Vegas is listening to us <laughs> because only Mike, Mike, and Oscar has been serious about Chris Messina from Air. And I'm going to give you terms- all the credit for that. You've been you've been blowing that trumpet more than Bang I have. Bang in the tail. Yeah. Chris Messina from Air. He was our favorite, or he was my favorite from that movie. They are listening to us because I've been banging the table for a nomination. Now they think they can take all of our listeners' money <laughs> because I did as much. 
You're welcome, everybody. <laughs> As you have a bunch of broke, angry listeners coming for us after Asker Sunday, after Messina wins nothing. <laughs> you promised me! Pitchforks and flaming right. torches. Yeah, I can see it. I might be involved. Just for the fun of it. <laughs> Dave's leading the charge. I was bored today. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to chip in with this category. Look, I think... Obviously, I think De Niro's a likely nomination. I think Robert Downey Jr. was superb in Oppenheimer. I'm stunned he's not mm. leading right now. Stunned. Mm. I, I, it, yeah, it's it, he should be up top, I think. Um, look, Ryan Gosling at plus 500, 5 to 1... That's an interesting. That's an interesting line. I, you know, you can make a case for it. For me, I, th- I thought his performance was extraordinary in the sense that it shouldn't have worked. Um, none of that movie really should have worked, but it, but it absolutely did. Mm-hmm. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. would be my short-priced pick, but I have to say, looking at these odds, because unfortunately the UK books I can't find anywhere with supporting actor or actress. So it's great to see these. Look, Tom Hardy for the Bike Riders at plus four thousand. If I could mm. get that, I would I would be involved because Tom Hardy's a tremendous actor. Um, we've already made a claim for the bike riders and me and Mike are going to bet everything we have for that to win picture. <laughs> and as you'll know, if you listen to Mike, Mike and Oscar, you'll have to have a profile. You'll have to have some other um, nominations, some coattails. And the bike riders, if it can get an acting nom in supporting actor, that will that will only boost its chances. So yeah, I would I would be involved with Robert Downey Jr. at short price and Tom Hardy at a big price. Here's my concern uh, with RDJ here. Mm. That performance was so good, right? Like, and that movie is so new. Mm. The fact that it's still not leading the category this far out, and a movie that hasn't debuted has an actor who is. Yeah. Like, that makes me think this might be the best odds you get De Niro at. Absolutely Does spot that on. make any sense? Perfect sense. Look, the De Niro line, I can guarantee you, will come down when, when Killers of the Flower Moon comes out. And look, he, he's a genius. It might be a great performance. Robert Downey Jr. would be favorite if it wasn't for, you know, an institution like Robert De Niro being up top, you know. And the bookies aren't stupid either, so they're going to have De Niro short because they know they could be vulnerable mm. but it's a perfectly legitimate worry Oppenheimer's smashing the box office it's getting great reviews Robert Downey Jr. gives a superb performance like Killian Murphy you'd expect to see his line come down but I'll, I'll keep you guys updated when the books open in the UK because they may be very different to this here's my worry about this category at least the top of the category what is the sense of urgency to give Robert De Niro another one necessarily well, don't answer that because that's an evil question. But Robert De Niro, or Robert Downey Jr., excuse me, gives a very nuanced performance. It's a poker face performance. It's the type of performance that usually does not win in terms of the actor's actor performance, the Daniel Day-Lewis from Phantom oh. Thread performance. Robert Downey Jr. in Oppenheimer is is like you said superb but i i would be surprised if he if he took that category at the end of the day it might be a nomination it probably is not a win so my question is here and michael do you think ryan gosling who's been nominated twice before could actually be a sneaky favorite in this category a la heath ledger from this reverse barbenheimer dark knight <laughs> ne- weird ass um uh, somehow crazy 
karma coming back to this whole scenario where we'll watch this 1.5 billion dollar blockbuster actually get credit here in supporting actor but maybe they won't pick it for best picture what do you think here's what i think about that is that as far as campaigning goes Gosling can win over more votes, I think, on the campaign trail than like De Niro. I mean, De Niro doesn't have to campaign, obviously. But Gosling, if you look at what he's done for the marketing for Barbie, he's like been in character yeah. for every interview. He's been basically Ken and he's been hilarious and like charming and, and everything. So like there's definitely a path to which I think Gosling can win. And I think that's a blow away performance. Like Dave said, it shouldn't have worked. Nothing about that movie should have worked. And yet it did. And it's going to make a zillion dollars. And. But then again, now we're playing the game of, well, is the money the Oscar for Barbie or is the Oscar the Oscar for Barbie? Like we play all the time every year with every blockbuster. That makes this <laughs> so if I had $100, I'm terrified that De Niro's leading this category. I would put it on De Niro. I would put at least 50 on De Niro right now on the fear that that may be the lowest. That If that performance is that good, those odds are only going to plummet. Um, yep. I would probably put something on... Gosling as well, and then I would I'm in this waiting game with RDJ because he can do the same thing Gosling does in the campaign trail. He's been charming as shit in all the interviews I've watched for Oppenheimer, all the political <laughs> stuff. I mean, the reason that that performance by that actor could get nominated and win when it usually doesn't by Academy standards is because I mean, simply that's Tony Stark, and in Oppenheimer, RDJ is playing the anti Tony Stark character. So we have his entire last, you know, 15 years to place that as a mirror up against this performance with. And that's what we're used to seeing from Robert Downey Jr. Now he's showing us, hey, wait a minute. I was also, you know, like Chaplin back in the day. Like, I am an actor still. I have skills that can, you know, be dramatic. I think we have that to, to compare it to. So I, I would. Is that a narrative brewing? A narrative brewing? Yeah, why not? Right. right? I, well, what's mm. a bigger thank you for, like, you know, the MCU than giving him this Oscar? I would like to thank Iron Man for all that he did for humanity. I, I, I would agree. But I would hold off on, on Robert Downey Jr. because, look, you asked what the urgency is in giving Robert De Niro another Oscar. One, he hasn't won an Oscar since, like, what, 1981, I think, first of all. And the second thing is that because Joaquin Phoenix is always hunting him down perpetually. And that's, you know, so there is an urgency again, there. maybe twice. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It's a scary, scary line for a degenerate like me to see that mm. Downey's not mm. leading this category. All right. So if you're looking for value, I got two names. Jesse Plemons, also from Killers of the Flower Moon, just might be on the top of his game. Jeremy Allen White just might be again, just might be in he his He could just prime. be a hurricane. Yeah, it could just the be Iron his. Claw. Yeah. And we've seen that happen plenty of times before. Who cares about narratives? Who cares mm -hmm. about who's overdue? Just the young stud, Daniel Kaluuya, Sam Rockwell. They're just undeniably good. And they, Great they take cheese it. on his abs and that still from the photo, too, by the way. <laughs> what if Egg Elvis wins just for being Egg, <laughs> an Egg man? But he might not win for this. That might be a deceptive line. He'll win for the bike riders or something. That's what I would. That would be my advice when it comes to... Uh, Austin Butler, if you want to vote for him, wait to see what the bike riders Austin Butler odds are. Mm. Mm. Vote for him if you want to bet on him. But do you guys <laughs> like any value that I didn't mention there? Any value in terms of those odds that you might sprinkle if, if one were so inclined? Like I said, Tom Hardy at that price. And I do think if uh, for any of you guys that listen to my podcast, I do call Jesse Plemons the walking Oscar. 
Uh, like he is, he is just destined to win. He is so good in everything he does. He should be um, called future Oscar winner Jesse Plemons. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in every film trailer, like that man's gonna win. Like it's certain at some point he's just collecting that statue. Nine to one's interesting, but look, I love Tom Hardy and 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 Austin Butler in the Bike Riders as well. There's an interesting narrative there on the back of Elvis. Um, it's a very different performance I've heard. It's much more quiet and subtle. Um, like the De Niro, like the um, Robert Downey Jr. performance, something maybe we're not used to. Um, so I'll be I'll be interested there. But you are right, that De Niro line is so funky to still be so strong up top, not even coming out. Something like it's smells. not even tied. They go out of their way to say no. De Niro's twenty five dollars shorter than uh, than yeah. RDJ. That's very odd. Yeah. We'll hmm. we'll wrap up, move on, talk about best supporting actress here as the final category. Emily Blunt, like I said, she's listed twice in Vegas Insider as the supporting actress. Her odds are plus two hundred. Lily Gladstone, she's here for Killers of the Flower Moon. So they, the bookies are being facetious with listing Lily Gladstone as a lead actress, plus twenty five hundred in lead, plus two fifty here in supporting. Viola Davis for Heiress, plus four hundred. America Ferreira for Dumb Money, important distinction, not Barbie, <laughs> plus five hundred. Hong Chow for Showing Up, plus six hundred. Julianne Moore, May December. Anne Hathaway, Eileen, Vanessa Kirby for Napoleon are all plus 750. Rachel McAdams for Are You There, God? It's Me. Margaret is plus 900. Danielle Brooks for The Color Purple is plus 1,000 or 10 to 1. Florence Pugh for Oppenheimer is 12 to 1. Divine Joy Randolph from The Holdovers, 14 to 1. Lashana Lynch from Bob Marley, One Love is plus 1,500. Be wary of that because that movie may not debut this year. It's wide releases set for January. We'll see if it plays any festivals beforehand. Sally Hawkins from Wonka's plus 2,000. Scarlett Johansson, Asteroid City, plus 2,500. Tilda Swinton for Problemista is plus 3,500. I'm guessing Bob Marley will get a qualifying because a lot of the pundits are putting so. them. Yeah, yeah it's, it's only a week later. Anyway, I'm thinking this is Lily Gladstone's category to lose if she's actually in it. She's in that trailer enough, and she's going off in that trailer. However, like we said, this could be a tornado just taking over the category, and this could be a young uh, actor at the peak of their powers, like a Vanessa Kirby plus 750, Napoleon. We know she's going to have a huge role. You know she's going to have a bunch of huge arguments with uh, with the great general in that movie. Divine Joy Randolph, she seems to be the, the conscience of the holdovers. And God, does that movie need a conscience? Yeah, amen to that. Uh, otherwise, Danielle Brooks, a lot of people have her in their fives from the color purple. I believe she's in one of the Oscar-nominated roles from the original 1986 movie. You add to the fact that she's going to be belting out songs and you got the performance values there. So I'm looking at this category as having... It might be the the category I lose the most money on because I have <laughs> conviction on the top and I also have a lot of value throughout the that I could just waste money on. Mm. Yeah, again, like I said with lead actress, a lot depends on Lily Gladstone. I mean, the bookies, by the way, I just want to be very clear. They are crooks. They are thieves. <laughs> they are charlatans. And I hate you. Every single one of you. Skybet, Paddy Power, William Hill, Bet365. You owe me money and I want it back. But no, <laughs> on a serious point, it's like, okay, Lily Gladstone, let's make her favourite for best actress and let's make her basically joint favourite for supporting actress. Good luck, gamblers. Yeah. It's like, it's really, it's really bad. 
Like, obviously, I know they don't know the same as we don't know, but it's like this but is. But they, the ca- <laughs> they know. They but, know. But, but, but then again, they, somebody's probably dropped a text and said Gladstone's going supporting. <laughs> you know, and there's loads of men smoking cigars. Like we'll have all their money. Um, I tell you what, the the, the ones that interest me here, um, if Gladstone is campaigned in supporting, that plus two fifty will become like minus two fifty, like that. So mm. if you think she's a supporting, if you've seen the film and you think that's a supporting uh, performance, then I would get involved in that. Uh, I think Vanessa Kirby at plus 750 is also very, very interesting. Florence Pugh at plus 1200, that's nonsense. I mean, I'm sorry, nothing against Florence Pugh. I absolutely love her as an actress, but I don't think that performance, the nature of that performance is, is going to get a nomination. Mm. Um, so this is one of those categories where you have to do what I don't like doing, wait. Um, yeah. But if if you think Gladstone is supporting, you will never get a better price than plus two fifty. I agree with that logic. I would also I'm going to do a betting line on a betting line. <laughs> I, if you were to ask me to put odds on which category is more is most likely to have a winner that isn't listed yet, I think supporting actress I'd put it like minus one ten. I think it'd be my favorite. Hmm. Like it's like I don't I'm not blown away by any, uh, Gladstone is the favorite we haven't gotten our hands in the movie yet but like anything else is kind of a long shot at this point other than Mm. emily blunt who i just can't see winning for that performance in oppenheimer and i've talked about that in our review so i i i can see there being some actress we aren't focused on and haven't thought about and talked about coming from the outside lane and taking this category by storm circa like thanksgiving yeah because i think when you're playing the comparison game here with the the certain odds, certain lines, like a like a Rachel McAdams from Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. It would be the greatest thing ever if she was nominated. There's no way in hell she's right. winning for mm-hmm. such a low key performance. Uh, Hong Chow of showing up—that's a total sucker bet. She's great in it. She, it's an actor's acting performance. It is almost like she is playing poker at a table with Michael Sarah. She is showing no emotion that entire <laughs> film until the very end. Maybe she gives a slight smirk. <laughs> Come on. She's not, it's, she's not emoting the whole film. Like you said, Dave, Florence Pugh. It's a name. Hong Chow's a name. So th- this feels like they're trying to mess with the other category. I, I, I'm, I'm afraid of this category. It's probably a stay away from me too, guys. I mean, let's vote for America Ferrera for dumb money because it's also a vote for Barbie. I could see that being a narrative some people <laughs> fall into. I don't know. Oh, my mm. God. The, could I just say briefly, the more I look at it, the more I like the Bradley Cooper. I want to have a big bet on Gladstone because um, if she does go in this category, I just think she'll win. Um, so that plus 250 does look incredibly tempting. And I know Next Best Picture and Clayton Davis have her at number one. So... That that would that would interest me. I'm a degenerate. I look at these numbers and I just get excited. <laughs> I, I need help. Well, <laughs> I had seven. I had a list of seventeen red flags. We're not that I just read for you, David. We we can't help you, but we can uh, enable you because we're going to have you back later on in the year to talk more about gambling, David. But uh, thank you for joining us for this early mm. in this year talking about these odds. Give yourself a plug. Tell the good people where they can find all your work. 
Yeah, guys, look, always love talking Oscars with you and particularly Oscars betting. Uh, you can find us on Twitter or X or whatever the hell it's becoming. Uh, if that's even a thing when this goes out, I don't know. The world's the world's collapsing. It's like Inception. It's just a dream within a dream within a dream, and it doesn't make sense. Um, you can find us at Film Is Worth It on Twitter or X or whatever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. Website is itworthitpodcast.com. All our episodes are on there. Uh, some articles, some bios about me and Craig. Um, we are back in the saddle. Um, we're trying to put out one episode a month, um, sort of doing five or six reviews. I just want to give a big shout out to Craig. He got married at the end of last year. He's just got a house. He's doing life and I'm doing gambling. So that's. <laughs> You're just trying to that's, get a bigger house. That's all that that's, means. That, that's the difference between me and him. He's a settled man in a, in a marriage and I'm just alone and gambling and um, please follow me on twitter at one david long surprisingly there's lots of gambling and and oscar updates uh, over the next eight months um and my words of wisdom would be check the betting markets look if you have four or five books open in the u.s look for the best value look at how you can hedge and just don't rush into betting you know if you see two to one and think i'll back that but it might be three to one in another book explore look around get the best value good luck uh, and i'll see you at the soup kitchen in march yeah i was gonna i was gonna <laughs> follow you up by saying the amount of money i have on a first half wnba line already tonight is kind of sad oh. so i'm right there with you buddy uh, oh, guys, as always <laughs> what matters most to us are your thoughts comments questions and concerns uh, about the, any of the gambling lines anything we talked about we want to know what your picks are what were you placing your money on or what would you if you could at this early spot in the season let us know that uh, as always you can leave us those on our social media as we are Mike Mike and Oscar on Facebook and Instagram at MM and Oscar on Twitter Mike Mike and Oscar at G or X yeah whatever that is now Elon Musk's toy <laughs> uh, Mike Mike and Oscar at gmail.com.com and on Reddit we are available wherever you do here podcast if you listen to us on either the apple podcast or spotify app if you appreciate what we do here if you wouldn't mind leaving us a five-star review those help us out immensely thank you to everyone who has done so thus far michael tell the good people what's coming next let's have some words of wisdom and what wnba first half line are you betting on tonight (laughs) (laughs) i'm afraid of you both yet again at the end of one of these uh episode recordings i i thank you David Long, our words of wisdom today are to follow David and to listen to Is It Worth It, the film review podcast where he and Craig are doing stellar work. And I, I love that show. I'm, I'm thrilled that you're both back in the saddle. So keep them coming, man. Keep them coming. And we appreciate you. Otherwise, we got some long overdue Oscar race checkpointing. Yes. Because we've had this Barbenheimer craze, we'll have box office reports. Because the fall film festivals have announced their entire lineups, we will comment on those so that'll be next week and because i like to jinx all our guests before they come on like i did with david i also jinxed uh, the teenage mutant ninja turtle episode because now swell is probably uh for the good you know thinking about her sag ramifications yeah. and the strike and there's a lot of important uh, mm-hmm. issues that she's kind of navigating there she doesn't want to review films because sag came out and said you're not really supposed to do that she doesn't want to be she doesn't want to cross a picket line uh, and come on MMO, and we would never want to force yeah. her to do that. So we may uh, we may not do the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle episode, or we may uh, if she can get around it. Uh, otherwise, uh, we'll get we'll definitely get David back on as soon as we possibly no can, question. David. So thanks again, buddy. Cheers, guys. Appreciate it. Bring on uh, March. 
<laughs> when reality sucks, <laughs> you can lose some money with us and our friends. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards oh, yeah. year-round. Without the stuffiness, we will see you all very soon. Go Liberty. See ya. <laughs>